Thanks for listening to Starting a Record Label. So this month, uh, October is over. And uh, it was pretty awesome. This is the best month so far for the podcast. And that's particularly awesome because the prior month, September, was definitely the worst. (laughs) Probably because uh, we took such a big hit because my family and I all got covid and uh, thus we were out of commission. And I, uh, I really say, like when you're when you're doing content across the uh, the internet, you got to be somewhat uh, <laughs> consistent. Because if not, people just drop off, man, and then they don't come back as often. So if you got to you know release some stuff, I'm trying to keep ahead of time, but it's just it's really hard. Just trying to keep people busy. However, I've got a few bands interested, and uh, actually, yeah, talk a little bit about that right now. So I made, uh, I'd mentioned, made mention of a video that I shot a few weeks ago um, about basically, it's a very short video. I think it's only like a couple minutes long. And uh, it's about me discussing the label and the ideas of the label. And if you're interested, go to nottodayrobot.com and, you know, drop in your information. And that, uh, that's been making the rounds a bit. And so I've got some people that are interested, some people that were like, uh, yeah, sure. I'm interested. And some people are like, no, I've already, we're already working with someone or whatever else. And they were all super nice. I haven't had anybody being a jerk about it, which is actually, I was actually really concerned that people are going to be like, look at this lame freaking dude. And this, you know, stupid pitch he's making. I laughed at it a little, little bit when I made it, I sent it to a couple friends. I'm like, how, how, how freaking cringe is this? And I'm like, well, you know, it is kind of commercially. <laughs> like, well, at least it's kind of doing what it's supposed to do. So, so yeah, I pulled the trigger on that one, and that one, you know, that stuff's out there. And I'm actually gonna put some ad spend behind it here too, and sending it to all the bands that I got on my uh, Excel list here. <laughs> but yeah, uh, hopefully, I'm gonna be having uh, some bands on the podcast soon, which is really exciting because I was I was actually wanting to have a band signed before the end of the end of september like the whole idea was like oh i'll have plenty of time and i'd you know obviously this whole idea started back in january or at least the beginning of the podcast started in january i'm like oh dude we'll have a band signed by september no big deal (laughs) and guess what oh boom covid everything else yeah hey do me a favor if you could could you stop and subscribe it's really hard for me to kind of get the podcast out to everybody else. There's not a lot of ways to do that. And the best way for me to get it to you every single week is for you to subscribe. And if you're a band that's interested in being on Not Today Robot, please go to nottodayrobot.com and just click submit, put your band in. Pretty simple. I'll listen to it. I'll say, hey. So, yeah, and uh, I've, I, you know, I think it was Jacques Lamore of the Pop Punk and Pizza podcast. Gosh, that's so hard for me to say that. The Pop Punk and Pizza podcast. Uh, he had said, uh, I don't know, a few days ago, like, I'm convinced that trying to accomplish too many tasks at one time is just as bad as doing nothing at all, if not worse. And it's totally rings true for me. Like, I have this giant list on my Habitica here that's like, hey, you need to do this and you need to finish this and this and this and this and this and this. And I'm like, awesome. And then there's this one thing at the top of that that I'm like, I kind of need to finish that before I finish before I can do any of these other things. So like running around and as I'm like trying to finish some of the, some of these things, it's like there's more things I need to do and more ideas that I could finish. And 
you know, coming up with all these extra ideas for videos and whatnot. Well, I've still got like the last four freaking videos on the back burner. Oh yeah, this table, the table, I, I always talk about the gosh darn table. It was the worst idea ever. <laughs> um, but uh, I tried to go out this weekend, finish it up, and I was like, all right, I'm going to buy some legs for it, and we're going to make this thing, and we're going to be done. And guess what? I went to go buy legs at, like, Ikea or whatever, and they're all sold out, like, every freaking leg in Ikea. It's like, hey, guess what? We got all these pretty legs here on the wall, and you can buy the tabletops. There's tons of the tabletops now, which was not the case when I first was trying to, you know, buy a desk way back in friggin' March or whatever. And uh, so it just switched around like, hey, you want to buy a desk? Lots of tape, lots of uh, legs, no, no tabletops. Hey, you want to buy a desk? Lots of tabletops, no legs. So uh, I actually got the, uh, the legs that uh, are motorized and I got them for a super cheap price on Amazon. It was one of those prices where you're like, I think they messed that up. A 40% off coupon for that? Well, let me buy it before like they figure it out. <laughs> and it's already shipped. So I'm like, sweet, it's on its way. <laughs> <laughs> I can't ask for it back now. <laughs> but anyway, that will be finished. I will, the next podcast, talk about the stupid freaking table video desk, mixing desk video that I made for like the last three months. It will be finished. And then the rest of them are on their way. <laughs> yeah, getting stuff done. It's hard. Because like I said, I've been planning all these extra videos and stuff that I'm going to be hosting all on the uh, Not Today Robot page, you know, just for fun. I was like, oh, you know, I bought some strap locks or whatever. Like, I want to test out all these strap locks and have that as part of some videos just to put up a lot of content and get some stuff go moving towards the towards the YouTube page and whatnot. And like, wait, what? what? Oh, man. Now I got to shoot all this stuff. And I oh, wish I could have the table. I could put them all out and look nice. Like, dang it. <laughs> but anyway, I digress into a mess. Just like this week is probably going to, since it's uh, you know the election week. Boo! Oh, kind of wish this whole thing to be just to be over and done with, regardless of political affiliations. But uh, yeah, I kind of wanted to uh, before this week's craziness. I kind of wanted to dive in a little bit deeper into some of the topics that uh, Larry had brought up last week on the podcast. If you haven't listened to the Larry Livermore podcast that I did last week. Please go listen to it. He was the uh, owner and founder of Lookout Records, and he who signed Green Day and a bunch of other amazing pop punk bands and stuff. Uh, and just he was super nice, super great interview. I'd planned really, really. I planned all these questions. So hopefully, I can have him on again in the future to ask the rest of the questions that I had. I was really scared because some people, when you have on a podcast. You know, you, you ask them some questions and they just are like yes or no answer. Like, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you're like, oh man, I need at least 30 minutes <laughs> to fill up <laughs> for a podcast, man. I'm hoping. And so I'm like, I like, you know, I sat down and watched a Turn It Around documentary and all of a sudden, you know, I was trying to reread the book before we started. I had, like, my wife comes out and I'd spent, stayed up all night long and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I gotta, this podcast has to be a good podcast. I'm having Larry on and so I get done with it and I go to sleep for like three hours and wake up and you know do the podcast with him and he is like just 
on it with stories and just on it with everything else. Uh, so he was like just rolling with the punches. So hopefully in the future I can ask him the rest of the questions that I had. But he just ran with the questions like not even half of them I think I asked. So, uh, but they were great, and the podcast was great. If you uh, you want to learn a lot, listen to that podcast, and then buy his book, How to Ruin a Record Label. It is linked again in this in this week's episode as well. But uh, anyway, I wanted to kind of rehash a couple of the things that we did talk about on last week's. Um, you kind of hit on a thing that I talk about quite often. Uh, one of the first things is musicians are naive. Uh, they say, I just want to play my music. If I wanted to do business, I'd go to accounting school. And it's kind of so strange that that still hasn't changed. And uh, I see some like bands trying to do some extra stuff these days. And it's actually kind of encouraging to move forward. But like Larry was kind of jumping on the like, well, I don't really have a lot to uh, help you with. Because today's music industry is way different from the one was way back in the day, you know. And uh, in a lot of ways, it's really not, especially I, don't, I feel like in a lot of ways, the musicians really not because they still think that like a label is going to come in and just swoop and like, here's a bunch of money and here you go. And we're going to all the way to the top kind of deal. And that's just not how it is. And I think the bands, if they really knew the power that they had uh, just by figuring out some basic uh, online marketing and business strategies they could do so much better for themselves without any kind of label whatsoever but uh, I don't want to tell that say that too loud obviously because I'm like hey you know I got all this information and you know I want to put some money behind you and I want to do this or that so uh, it's just hopefully I can find like a, a good middle ground where I'm like okay bands I want to help you out here but I also want you guys to be on your own two feet so like if you ever do leave the label you guys can do stuff on your own and it's going to be good for you <laughs> you know and he had also talked about I think after that how labels historically were like awful <laughs> with awful to musicians especially you know in the earlier years with uh, the ways that they treated people of color and just you know people that were I'll probably on the lower end of that of the uh, the economic spectrum and so it's one of the things that I want to do for my label is make sure that bands can support themselves and just make sure that they can bring in money so that they don't really have to work in other areas and work their rear ends off and just be tired and want to quit by the end you know by the end of the first year so that was one of my one of my core beliefs he had said i think for his was uh you know that before it was hard to hear other kinds of music and it has was his idea to make music available to as many people as possible and he didn't care about you know color of vinyl and and whatever else there's a lot of boutique record labels of people that just do it as a side gig you know they got like they're like a doctor or something else and they you know love certain kinds of music and so they'll put someone's record out you know and it's, it's not you know, cassette cassette only labels are fun. It just it's not gonna something that's gonna save the music industry. So obviously, one of my big things is musicians need to work together in the actual music, quote unquote, business. That was one of the things that Larry hit on, and so I was really like, yes, go Larry. Even like, it's kind of weird though because the, the East Bay kind of DIY punk scene. I feel like is very anti-business kind of like they see corporations and they see like these evil kind of aspects of it which is totally understood but as larry even kind of talked about not all of it is bad 
you gotta take the good with the bad. Another thing that Larry talked about that kind of echoed at least a couple times in my life is that technology changes made an industry kind of flip. He had mentioned when he was younger, he loved to kind of write stories or like a newspaper for his school. And they didn't have Xerox machines back then that uh, at least were readily available for schools or or whatnot. Now, you know, when I was when I was growing up, there were at every corner store, you know, you pay 10 cents and you could get a copy. And today it's even cheaper, I'm sure. But he had said, um, you know, he was trying to make like a new school newspaper and he'd like type it on a typewriter through like carbon copy paper. So it would like, you know, he'd have three copies because there'd be like three copies on the carbon copy paper. But how that kind of that industry kind of disrupted the whole news and journalism industry it gave a lot of power to individuals as opposed to, you know, you had to go through big corporations to get your ideas out to someone like now, especially for the Xerox thing, I really kind of like hit home because in the 2000s, you know, it used to be super expensive to get into a recording studio because analog tape was expensive. There wasn't that many machines. Time was expensive to get into recording studios. It was just hard. And it was one of the reasons why, you know, Lookout's earlier records just didn't sound as good as what the major label records sounded like. And uh, we all understood that way back in the day. I'm not really sure if my daughter, who does like Green Day a lot, um, understands that and or or is more willing to listen to Green Day just because they're Green Day or not listen to it because it doesn't sound as good on those first two records. But in the 2000s, uh, obviously me as going into school in you know 2000, uh, found out home recording, uh, not only software, but interfaces and whatnot, the prices were just like dropping and dropping and dropping. It's making so much easier for people to get into the recording industry and bands to be able to record themselves. You know, I started my own studio in Valparaiso, Indiana for like, probably I think I was in there for like six or seven months before I moved out to LA. And, uh, well, just within that time, I think it was 2005, um, a bunch of studios popped up around me. And so I'm like, wait a minute, what in my little town? I'm not the, I'm not the only guy. And so that kind of even disrupted my, you know, money bringing in as, you know, being a recording engineer and producer. And I was like, well, what else am I going to do, you know? So the recording technology kind of interrupted the industry and gave it so that bands could get in and have cheaper studio time and they could sound better than ever before and, you know, bring that up to where they can compete on the same levels in a lot of ways as musicians and i think nowadays is even better nowadays the technology dude uh, was a con kanye recorded the vocals on some of those <laughs> that last album on his phone to be honest i can kind of pick out some of them but <laughs> it, it still is, it sounds rad because a lot of them are super affected in a certain way but uh it's yeah it's kind of crazy the way the technology has come around with that and so that's a big disruption kind of like the xerox machines that larry was talking about and then furthermore um it, we he was kind of introducing it as like oh cds you know had kind of been a big disruption as well but now we have spotify and we we've had spotify technically since like 2011 but like probably not really people listening to it until about 2015 ish um when you know download speeds and whatever else got up to up to par uh via mobile and everything else so that like giant break in the industry 
is huge. And then on top of that, now we got cheap video stuff coming out. We've got cheap 4K cameras on the market. Your freaking iPhone can do 4K. I mean, they might not look as good as like a really nice DSLR or whatever, but or mirrorless. But I mean, it's, it's amazing how all these technologies are coming into play right about now. And it just gives you the ability, the same ability as any of these major label people putting out anything. It's bonkers to me. And it's really exciting for me because I'm like, we can do anything. And I feel like the major labels are some big slog machine that, you know, it takes forever for them to walk a half a step. You know, they're like AT-ATs at, uh, for Star Wars. They're like, mm, hold on, let me, let me get across the tundra. And, uh, it's pretty insane that you could probably come up with so much more stuff on your own or with a team way better than like subscribing to any giant label. Sure. They have the push now. I just don't know how much further that's going to last for them. I mean, it could, it could, it could last forever. They could get their legs and actually figure things out, but they're so slow to figure things out. It's kind of crazy to me. So yeah, wrap up that one with Larry, the whole technology point. Boom. Loved it. I had asked him about uh, equal royalties for the bands. Uh, I said something like, uh, I think U2 has equal royalties, even though, you know, um, not everyone in the band has probably as much input as each other. I'm sure they all do a lot. But like, I'm kind of assuming with my label that all the, every person in the band is going to be doing something. <laughs> even if, like, one might be doing some graphic art or doing, you know, uploading stuff to YouTube or, you know, everybody's going to be having a job and that's, I really want to help kind of reinforce that equal royalties for everybody. Like, please don't split the royalties up different than everybody else. Unless there's a very, very obvious reason you're going to do that. Um, I just think it kind of, it sows, I don't know how, how to say it. It sows some bad seeds that I think once they grow up, just, is going to end up being weeds. Uh, weeds for your band, it'll just drag you down. So I think in the very beginning, at the very, you know, at the very beginning especially, before you set off and do anything big, equal roy royalties for everybody. It's just so much easier. And uh, I was actually surprised with this next one. He had said that the 360 deals, you know, major labels are a few years ago calling 360 deals because they wanted more money. Uh, so they started taking aspects of the artist's merchandise and other things and wrapping that into like an advance. And uh, at the beginning, I really hated them because I feel like the labels were just kind of, they just wanted some money and that's all they wanted, especially from the you know, mid tier artists trying to, they were trying to cut their losses because they were stupid. They didn't try to partake in the whole MP3 slash iTunes era till far later than they should have. Same thing with Spotify. And uh, Larry had said, you know, the 360 deal isn't a bad idea. It's actually a good idea. If the record label is looking out for the artist, the artist can concentrate more on their music. And I totally agree, like 100%. If, as long as the artist understands and knows where money is going to, then yes, I think the 360 deal actually could be the best deal because if they're getting a percentage and the band's getting a percentage, they're going to work together to make that bigger even. And so though, you know, 
the help get the artist more merch and better merch and certain kinds, you know, hey, how can we stretch out into this area and whatnot? So working together as opposed to being like, oh, I got my little share over here and you got your share over there and we're not going to, you know, mess with each other's stuff. And I feel like both the artist and the label could grow better. You know, instead of making money from just recording in concerts. And he had said, you know, obviously right now, who knows when we're going to get back full blown to concerts and uh, <laughs> recording royalties from Spotify alone. Probably can't, you know, keep a band afloat, a full band at least. And it's been a relatively brief time in history that recording music, recorded music has been sold. You know, before people would just, you know, sing on the street corner. Or, you know, they tour around town or how you talked about Hank Williams, you know, touring from city to city. You know, that's how you listen to music. And not the saying we're going to go back to that, but it's been he's right. It's only been a relatively small time in history that we sold music. So the idea of like having a branding over your band or your label and selling more merch, doing videos, T-shirts, he said shoelaces, you know. Uh, you know, probably putting stuff in TV and movies and commercials. He's like, that's all got to be part of the brand. That's all got to be part of the band right now. And he thinks that that's kind of, that's where it needs to go. And I was like, yes, a hundred percent. And I tried to explain to him like, that's what I want to do. But it just came out stupid. <laughs> and he kind of was like, yeah, okay. A lot of this last episode is me trying to explain something or ask a question and just being like so roundabout about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I sound like such a moron. <laughs> I wish I'd have formulated this question a lot better, but either way, it was all really enjoyable. And uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, I do go back and listen to it. It's fun. Do me a favor and subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. We do put up uh, all of the major interviews on YouTube as well. So if you want to see, you know, other people talking, I guess <laughs> um, we got the Larry one up and uh, Mike Fasano and all those other ones up. But please subscribe and. Uh, Hopefully, we'll survive this week. 